Hey, it's Barbara Phillips with NPBO, and I wanted to give you a heads up on a webinar that we have coming up Thursday, May 16th, and it will be with a certified healthcare privacy person who has been in charge of a very large healthcare organization and their privacy compliance, HIPAA, and all of that sort of thing. And I think it's very important that all clinicians attend this one because HIPAA affects all of us. And so you can get more information about that at npbusiness.org forward slash privacy matters. And just another quick heads up after that, in June, we'll be talking with someone who has been in charge of the IT compliance to protect the organization. And so this one will be geared toward how do you protect yourself as well as your practice. And I'll be sharing more information about that later. So let's move on with the podcast. This is the NP Business Matters podcast, episode number 41, Planning for Your Business Success. Hello and welcome to the NP Business Matters podcast. I'm your host, Barbara C. Phillips, founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner and Clinician Business Institute. And since 2007, we've been providing education, resources, and support about the business of being a nurse practitioner. To learn more, I invite you to visit npbusiness.com and clinicianbusinessinstitute.com. Now, on today's podcast, you're going to get me talking about maybe one of the least sexy things that every business owner should be doing prior to starting a business, and that's planning. It seems like a fair number of budding entrepreneurs, including nurses, nurse practitioners, and other clinicians, really do dislike the whole idea of planning for their new business altogether. And I get it. We're excited to get started on this new business venture. Want to move forward as fast as we can. But let's pause here. Take a deep breath and relax. Ready? Let's get started. Okay, let's talk business planning. So many feel like, Ugh, do I really have to do this? And, and I know, I know, but, but just stay with me for a moment. The benefits of doing this can save you time. It can save you money, frustration, and yes, even heartache. I mean, after all, we are talking about creating a roadmap for your dream, your business. And for many people, this is your baby. So you want to get it right straight out of the gate. A little bit of perspective might help. Think about this. You did not just start nursing school and go through school on a whim, taking a course here and a course there because it sounded good. You had a curriculum that had already been laid out. It was a roadmap, and it took you from day one all the way through to your degree, and probably for many of you, many degrees. And it took you to your goals. This is no different. And in order to have a successful outcome here, we need to have a plan, a living, breathing plan. So why 
why are so many clinicians reluctant to plan? And actually, I shouldn't just say it's clinicians. This is true across the board for all industries and people in general. There is a lot of reluctance. And I don't have the answer for that. There's all sorts of theories out there as to why it happens. And if you do just a quick Google search, you'll see a ton of articles and books and courses and coaches who specialize in reluctance. But let's get back to us. Let's get back to nurse practitioners and other clinicians. Some of the arguments, and yes, even a couple of myths that I've heard about traditional business planning include things like, you don't really need a business plan in order to get started in business. Or a full business plan is simply just overkill. I've also heard, well, you know what? I'm not borrowing money, so I really don't need to plan. I don't need a business plan. And then something that we've all heard that, in my opinion, it's a complete myth, and that is your business plan, your business idea, should fit on a single paper napkin. While I get the idea that someone came up with that, you know, keep it simple, just what is it you want to do, you can't possibly fit your business plan on a single paper napkin. Now, there's a lot of reasons to have a business plan. And in fact, there's several crucial reasons for having a business plan. So let's go over some of those. So first, business planning helps give you clarity. It helps you identify your motivation for wanting to go into business in the first place. And it helps you clarify your why. The why is such an important concept. And it's something that I talk about in the startup course. And when I'm teaching about getting started in business, what is your why? You've probably heard me say more than once that business is not for the faint of heart. It isn't. It's hard. And anybody who has started business or who is in the process of starting a business, you know what I'm talking about. It is hard. And if you don't have a strong why, I mean, why are you doing this? Then perhaps you don't have the motivation and the desire to continue to move forward when the going gets really rough. And I see that occasionally in some people. They don't have that strong why. In fact, one of the things that I've been seeing come up recently is it seems like it's almost peer pressure in order to have a business as if you haven't arrived as a nurse practitioner until you start a business. And this is a whole nother topic that we'll be talking about, but it is something to think about. Why are you starting the business? Now, in addition to determining your why, business planning also helps you set aside the time and it gives you the structure to actually do the research that you need to do before you get started. For instance, you may need to really clarify and really hone in on what your business is actually going to look like. Where will it be located? Who 
who will the business serve, which oftentimes people leave out. And there's so many other factors. It's really crucial that you understand your own clinical strengths and your passions and how that's going to intersect with the patient population that you wish to serve. So often I hear from FNPs, particularly, that I take care of everyone. Well, it's true. Our scope of practice allows us to take care of babies all the way to the other end of the spectrum. But that may not be your strength. That may not be your passion. And so it's really important to identify those things. You also want to know things like, is someone else providing services in your community? And what does that look like? One of the things in any business school is they'll tell you to do a competitive analysis. And you really do need to look at who else is out there. So while you'll be determining who your patient population is and what services you'll be providing, you also need to look at the cost. Not only as far as what it's going to cost you to get this up and running and then those ongoing operational costs, but what are your reimbursements going to be like? I am not overstating the fact that more than one entrepreneurial clinician has gone ahead and started spending money on space and equipment and and websites and all of this stuff without even understanding what kind of reimbursements they're going to get in the practice. Now, I call this putting that cart before the horse. In fact, putting that cart way before the horse. And That's something that you don't want to do. When you are working on the business plan, you don't need to start spending money on all of those things. You need to focus on doing your research and getting that plan done. Now, let's look a little bit more at the cost. One of the things that will determine some of the cost is the business model that you want. What type of a clinic or a practice do you want? And what is it going to cost you? There's a huge difference between having a mobile practice and visiting people in their homes, or maybe having a mobile practice that includes having people come to a bus or an RV. There's a big difference in having a practice in a physical location, often known as a brick and mortar location, So where is it going to be located? What part of town? How much space do you need? All of those things are going to vary greatly in terms of the costs. I often get questions from practitioners wanting to know how much it's going to cost if I just have a small space. There's too many variables to answer that question appropriately. It's, it's almost impossible. For example, if you have a location that you want, say, in San Francisco or New York, it's going to cost you quite a bit more money than a comparable size in, say, Lawrence, Kansas. 
Location, of course, is just one of the variables that are involved in looking at a location. Another thing to consider, too, is what kind of equipment will you need and what are the costs involved? One thing that I believe all entrepreneurs should consider is having previously gently used equipment. You don't need to buy everything brand new when you're first starting up, and you certainly don't need to buy everything from a medical supply house. So in my first practice, when I was starting up, I purchased almost everything, almost everything used or refurbished, including my laptops. I did make a new purchase when it came to exam tables. And the only reason I did that is because the community that I was starting my practice in needed to have tables that would support my patients. I needed to have tables that were safely rated to support at least 500 pounds. And so I did buy new tables. Another thing to consider is repurposing equipment. All those things at the medical supply house tend to be a little higher than if you bought comparable items at, say, Amazon or Target or even Walmart. Now, I'm not a shopper, and I definitely dislike shopping, but this is one case where you definitely want to shop around because there's huge price differences. And there's all sorts of different ways that I talk about in our course about how you can source affordable equipment and supplies. So depending on your business model, you might be looking at a cash practice or perhaps third-party payments. Either way, you're looking to get paid, or at least I hope so. And if you're planning on a cash practice, you need to make sure that your patient population can support that cash practice. I often hear from nurse practitioners who are starting a cash practice because insurance billing seems to be so overwhelming or they've heard a lot of different horror stories about it. And then the practice doesn't grow quite as fast as they want it to. So you need to keep that in mind. If you're starting a cash practice, you really need to research your patient base, your community. You need to research the cost, those kinds of things. And be aware that it's going to take you longer to fill up your practice than it might if you were doing a similar thing, taking insurance. Now, if your practice is going to be accepting third-party payments, you need to have an idea of what those reimbursements are going to be for the average number of patients that you are going to be seeing in your practice. Unfortunately, those numbers are not always available to us, particularly for commercial plans. One of the things that I did when I first started to plan my business was to look at the reimbursement rates for government plans, such as Medicare, Medicaid, workers' comp, that sort of thing, because that's publicly available information. And because I was very skittish and I didn't know what to expect, and I really didn't know what I was doing in the very beginning, what I did was I took an average, if you will, 
CPT code of a 99213 office visit. And I made my projections based on that reimbursement. Now, all of us know, if you've ever done primary care, that the majority of your patients will not be 99213. And over the the years, over time, those patients have become more complex. So you're going to see higher CPT codes and higher reimbursements. But it also gave me a low figure to get started with. And if you read any of the business literature, a lot of times people say, take a look at your um, projected income and drop it in half and to look at your expenses and to double them because there's always expenses that you didn't anticipate and reimbursement isn't going to be as high as you first think it is. So what I had done is, again, I I looked at the government reimbursement rates for 99213, and I looked at the costs that I could come up with that I could try and figure out, and I determined how many patients I needed to see per day in order to meet my expenses. Now, of course, when we're talking about third-party reimbursement, it doesn't mean that you're always going to get paid on that visit or there wouldn't be a delay in the payment or some other thing that had to be worked out. But that's what I did in the beginning, and that worked out really well for me. So you have to look at those numbers. You have to um, look at your projected cost as well as your income. And again, I kept mine very low so that I had some wiggle room that allowed me to feel like I could move forward with the practice. Now, once you have all of your numbers, it's really important to take a look at it and to answer the question, does it look like you're going to be profitable? How long will it take you to build up to those numbers? And just what are those numbers telling you? What do you perhaps need to tweak? You have to have some balance there. And maybe you need to back off on some of your plans to grow the business and start out a little smaller. Maybe you don't need that big space with five exam rooms, which most of us don't because we can only be in one room at a time. But what is it that you need to take a look at when you start planning the business? Almost everybody has to tweak things that they have to maybe add here, maybe see more patients, or maybe back off to a smaller space or something like that. Sometimes we even have to look at a different revenue model. And maybe we even need to reconsider the types of patients and practices that we're going to do. One of the nurse practitioners that I worked for actually sat down and did our course on the business planning, which I'll talk about a little bit later. And she went through the whole thing, did her plan, and then determined that a primary care practice in Manhattan was not what she wanted to do. The costs were going to be too high versus the reimbursement for the type of patients that she wanted to see. So 
it's so important. And even if you go through all the planning process and you figure out that this is not going to work, that's good. You've saved yourself literally thousands and thousands of dollars and a lot of heartache. So this is another reason this is so important. But let me get back to the finances for a minute. When you're doing your financial projections, oftentimes called a prospectus, it needs to include the money that you need to start up, as well as money that's going to tide you over until the money starts to come in. That can take six months. It can take longer. You also need to look at not only the cost of what it is to start up, but How much is it going to cost you on month one, month three, six months, a year out? And will you be able to pull in the revenue to make all of this work? I highly recommend that you get some financial education if needed. Understanding financial statements and how to read them is so important. And these are things that you want to be able to do. You do not want somebody else putting more stock in your finances than you. So it's really important to understand what these things are. Work with your CPA as you go through this. And I believe that the Small Business Association has several online courses that are free about financial management and how to read and evaluate your financial statements. One of the issues that I have found super sad is meeting with a nurse practitioner whose practice is going under basically because one, they didn't plan and two, they didn't understand the finances and they left it to somebody else to take a look at. So it's really important that you understand this. And not only that you understand this, but that you are watching it carefully. Nurse practitioners have had embezzlement in their practice. So again, don't leave it to somebody else. Now, another area that is often overlooked when planning your business is people don't do a market analysis. And I alluded to that a little bit earlier in terms of who's providing the same services in your community, but you need to go into so much more detail. What I see a lot of, and and actually I see this way too often, is a lot of nurse practitioners have worked very hard at getting their practice started, they're open, and then they find out they don't have the patients that are coming to their practice. Doing this market analysis helps you determine who your ideal patient population is and how you're best going to market to them. And that is crucial. We've often heard build it and they will come. But let me tell you, there is no such thing. People can't come to a practice. They can't call you for services if they don't know you exist. So who are your ideal patients? How do you find them? How do you know that they want your services? These are things that are so important that you need to do them to begin with. Now, one area that is typically not included in a business plan is planning for disaster. 
And of course, here in the U.S., we recently experienced yet another disastrous hurricane. And at the same time, there are fires burning in the West, and we have unprecedented drought. All of these things can negatively impact a business and definitely need to be planned for. Of course, disasters are going to be different depending on what area of the country you're in. For instance, on the West Coast, we were always well aware of the potential of an earthquake. Not so much for tornadoes, but definitely for an earthquake. And in today's world, it's not only important to consider natural disasters, but unfortunately, man-made disasters as well. Now, I've written about this before on our blog at NP Business, and um, I'll include a link for those articles for your reference in the show notes so that you can check that out. Again, it's not typically part of a business plan, but while you are planning, keep that in mind because knowing what you're going to do if there's a disaster can definitely impact how you are setting up your business. Now, in a formal business plan, there are several sections that are generally covered. And some of this may vary, of course, from business to business because they are a little bit different. But if you're attempting to borrow money in order to start your practice, you want to cover these sections. And of course, the banks or other financial institutions may just ask you for additional information. So you need to find out ahead of time how you're going to be moving forward, and what's going to be needed in your business plan. So in general, a business plan will include things like an executive summary, which is generally written at the very last thing, a company description, the products and services that you're going to be providing, a marketing plan, which again, I'll just say is so important, an operational plan, management and organization, startup expenses and capitalization, a financial plan along with your prospectus, and the appendices. And the appendices can include things such as contracts, leases, management resumes, market research data, anything that is actually going to help support the assumptions that you're making in the plan. Now, SCORE, S-C-O-R-E dot org, offers templates as well as mentors who can help you write a business plan. But let me give you a word of caution here. Those um, mentors are volunteers, mostly retired business people, but they may not understand healthcare business at all. And I certainly have had mentors and coaches who didn't understand healthcare business and were asking me to maybe consider doing something that was just totally against the whole ethics of healthcare. So keep that in mind when you are considering who you're going to work with in writing your business plan. And I do have to say, as I mentioned earlier, in full disclosure, we do have a business plan that is written by someone who is a clinician and has been teaching business planning to other clinicians and universities. So 
Um, you can find out more about that if you're interested by visiting cliniciansbusinessplan.com. And again, I'll link to that in the show notes. So the question is, do you really need an entire formal business plan? Well, if you're planning to be self-funded, there are probably parts that you can go lighter on and maybe even not have altogether. However, do you need a business plan? The answer is yes. You need to look at your finances. You need to look at the roadmap and where you're going. I consider a business plan a living, breathing document. It's your roadmap. When you build a house, you have blueprints that you follow. When you plan a trip, you have a roadmap to look at to find out where you're going to go, where you're going to be. A business plan functions much in the same way and it keeps you on track. The business plan really should be looked at on a regular basis and refined as you move through your business, reflecting any changes. Again, as I said earlier, sometimes unexpected things happen or unexpected opportunities or changes And we need to take the time to sit down at least on an annual basis and revise our business plan, making sure that we are staying on track. You don't want to find that you've gotten off track and that you're about to crash and burn because you were not paying attention to the road that you were on. Having a well-thought-out business plan puts your thoughts, your ideas, all the research you've done down on paper, and it allows us to see it outside of ourself and to create these scenarios of what if, what if this happens, what if that happens, and to play with all the numbers. It's the closest that we can get to predicting the future. Obviously, a lot of it is an educated guess but it gives you a good idea which roads you do not want to go down to. Having this business plan, it gives you a leg up and it increases your chance of success in your business. Every business that wants to thrive and grow should have a business plan. Well, there you go. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Do you have a business plan? What did you learn in creating your plan? And as your practice moved forward, have you revisited that plan, made revisions? And if you don't have a business plan already and you're already in business, it's really not too late to sit down and plan your next year, your next five years in your business. I invite you to visit the show notes over at npbusiness.com forward slash biz plan to access the links that I spoke about earlier and to leave your comments. I'd like to thank you for taking your time to listen, to rate, and to share our podcast with your colleagues. It helps us keep growing. I'm Barbara C. Phillips nurse practitioner and founder of Nurse Practitioner Business Owner. And I look forward to seeing you in the next episode of the NP Business Matters podcast. Bye-bye now.